Welcome to the St. Michael Lenten podcast series. My name is Bob Johnston, and I'll be leading our meditation today. Our theme this Lent is covenant, how we keep our sacred promises. May you be blessed for the Christian journey. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 30 to 47. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek to do not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies on my behalf, and I know that his testimony to me is true. You sent messengers to John, and he testified to the truth. Not that I accept such human testimony, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But I have a testimony greater than John's, the works that the Father has given me to complete. The very works that I'm doing testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified on my behalf. You have never heard his voice or seen his form, and you do not have his word abiding in you, because you do not believe him who he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that testify on my behalf. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. If another comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe when you accept glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the one who alone is God. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom you have set your hope. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Here ends the reading. passage today from John's Gospel that we just read is perhaps best understood with a courtroom image in mind. The Jews were placing Jesus on trial and requiring an account. And let's back up to the start of the chapter, some 29 verses before. Jesus in Jerusalem, by one of the gates, the Sheep Gate, has healed a man by the side of a pool. It's a man who's been ill for 38 years. It happens to be the Sabbath. And the Jews see the healed man carrying his mat, and they confront his unlawful behavior in working on the Sabbath. He explains that he has just been healed. They asked by whom, and he eventually tells them Jesus. They then confront Jesus, and he references the authority that he has from the Father. At this point, they're going after him at least for healing on the Sabbath and for blasphemy, and perhaps more. That leads up to the beginning of the passage that we read. In this courtroom-like scene, we see a suggestion early about having multiple witnesses. This is referencing the practice of needing at least two witnesses to prove a capital case under Jewish law. And Jesus presents three witnesses in a sense, all in short order. He references first the witness of John the Baptist. John the Baptist appears early in the book of John He's a voice proclaiming the coming of the Messiah and explaining that his task is to make straight the road for the Messiah. 
Jesus says in our passage today that John was a burning bright lamp and tells the Jews that they were happy to celebrate in his light for a while. The people of Israel were happy to think of John as a prophet in their own day, but were not prepared to look where John the Baptist pointed. If they had, they would have been prepared and ready to see and understand Jesus as the Messiah. They were willing to listen to John only for a while. In him they saw a very odd character that brought a level of entertainment. But John's message, for the most part, was not something they were willing to accept. Still, he has a witness. Next, Jesus points to the witness of himself. This is a bit nuanced. He's not saying that he bears witness to himself by his own words, because that would not provide the kind of evidence desired. There was a principle that the unsupported evidence of one person could not be taken as proof. There had to be other witnesses. Rather, Jesus points to the witness of his deeds. Jesus cites his own works, not to point to himself, but to point to the power of God working in and through him. At this point, Jesus has only done three remarkable things or signs or miracles, but he's implied that there will be plenty others to come. Indeed, when the gospel concludes, the gospel writer declares that there were indeed so many that they cannot all be written down. The evidence of Jesus doing these signs should point to him as Messiah and as coming from God the Father. Finally, there is the witness of God the Father. Jesus says that the Father who sent me has himself testified on my behalf. This has come through the unspoken means of Scripture and in other ways, but they have not received it. Here, there's a sudden change in the framing of the story, and one gets that maybe Jesus is not on trial, but those confronting him. The accusation directed at them is that they profess to believe in God, but don't really know him. They were entertained by John the Baptist, but didn't really hear his message. They might have been captivated by Moses and his teaching, but they missed the ultimate witness of Moses. Jesus says, if you'd believed in Moses, you would believe in me, for he wrote about me. Jesus tells them that they're sidetracked because they seek glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the one who alone is God. I think this passage today offers us two different thoughts to contemplate as we continue our Lenten journey. First, it helps us to contemplate the case and the evidence that Jesus was and is the Messiah. John the Baptist prophetically gave testimony to that. Jesus' works provide evidence of that. God the Father's own testimony does through Scripture. Okay, but what does it mean that Jesus is the Messiah to us today? What does it mean that He is the Son of God? The second thing to contemplate is as we consider our sinfulness, which is a traditional aspect of Lent, let's consider the ways in which the opponents of Jesus could not or would not open their minds to see a deeper truth. Richard Rohr says of part of this passage that the Jews in this passage are caught up in mimic rivalry the human world of comparison, competition, and imitation. So perhaps we should ask ourselves a question. To what extent are we allowing our own desires for control or glory of others to limit us from having a fuller view of who God is, what He's doing, and what He's calling us to do? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for loving us and calling us on a journey with You. By your grace, open our minds and our hearts to see you more clearly, 
Help us to see your hand at work in the world. In doing so, may we allow you to direct and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join me as we continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. Amen.